This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. Well, praise the Lord. We'll cover the school year. You know, I'm, I'm going to just follow my heart here real quickly. If you are a student in here that you are in athletics, I want you to stand up. If you're in any form of sports, I want you to stand up. The reason I want you to do this is the last couple of years, we've had a bunch of our students, they've, they've gotten ripped off. And what I mean by that is the devil, he kills, steal, and destroy. And so I, I just want to pray a hedge of protection over them. And so just stretch your hand out here. Father God, over all these student athletes, Lord, that we pray it would be a blessed year for them, that you would watch over and protect them. And Father God, we thank you right now that not only we ask you to watch over and protect them, we ask you to grace them to be the salt of their fields, their locker rooms, Father God, that you would shine mightily upon them, that God, you still use godly young ones. And we pray that blessing on them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. All right, well, glad you came to church today. If you're watching by live stream, glad to have you. If you need a Bible, get your hand up and our ushers would present the word of God to you. Once you get a Bible, go with me to Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs 2. Now, I'm just going to give you a little warning here real quick. Today, we'll probably knock the lukewarm out of you, all right? Which is a good thing. I, I believe the fear of God really, really needs to be etched in our hearts. That there's some things that the Word of God is going to speak to you today. And, you know, I'm, I'm not into giving you M&Ms, okay? I'm not into giving you Snickers. I'm going to give you some broccoli today to feed your faith and starve your doubts. And so this is going to speak to your hearts. We begin in Proverbs 2, verse 1. My son, if, 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 if. Now the reason I'm highlighting the if in verses 1 through 5, there's three ifs. The word if means suppose or it is a condition. So the if is if you fulfill the condition, these will happen, okay? So we can continue to read. My son, if. You receive my words and treasure my commands within you. Now, let me ask you something. With, with this statement right here that was made, do you receive the word of God? Is your heart open to the truth? Only the truth will set you free. Let me ask you another thing. Do you treasure his commandments? Or do I view his commandments as just a bunch of rules and laws? And I want to get to a place where I treasure his commandments. Think about the word treasure. If it's something you treasure, you're going to protect it. You're going to watch over it. Let's treasure his commands. Think something happens off this. Verse 2. So that you would incline your ear, tune your ear into his wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Two things. I got to hear the word. But I must apply the word of God. Be a doer of it. Verse 3, the second if. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding. If I pray for insight and understanding. This is big. Now, all these ifs are leading up to something. The third one in verse 4. If you seek her as silver... And search for her as hidden treasures. Seek and search. Now watch what happens. 
then you will understand the fear of the Lord. Wow. And you will find the knowledge of God. So if I interpret this correctly, then you will find the, the fear of God. The fear of God was all associated here with the Word of God. Obeying the word of God, treasuring the word of God. You want to find out what the fear of God, begin to treasure the word of God. And we go back to some of the things about how the Bible defined the fear of God. Uh, wisdom is, is part to the fear of God. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, Proverbs 8, 13 says, the fear of God is to hate evil. Well, we just got another definition of the fear of God. And so part of this, I've got to get where I, I treasure this. I treasure the word of God. Turn with me to Philippians 2. Philippians chapter 2, back into the New Testament. This is the Apostle Paul's writing to the church at Philippi. I'm going to give you a little nugget in here, just based on the fear of God. Philippians 2, verse 12. Therefore, my beloved. It's like Paul saying, what am I getting at? Have you have always obeyed? That's interesting. He says, if you've always obeyed, you've obeyed the word of God, not as in my presence only, but now how much more in my absence. You obeyed when I was there, and you obeyed when I wasn't there. And so you know what he's telling us right there? Because you've likened to obey the word of God, it doesn't matter who's around. I'm going to obey God. Wherever I'm at, I'm going to obey God. Work out your own salvation. Wow. Work out your own salvation. Now, salvation isn't dependent on continued works. Salvation started not by my works, but by my yielding. So it's not dependent on my works, but it is expressed in the way I live my honesty, my integrity, and my character. Work out your salvation. And he ends in verse 12 with fear and trembling. Be reverent and submissive before God. The, trans the Passion Translation says, live in the holy awe of God, which brings you trembling into his presence. The New Living says, obey God with a deep reverence, and a fear. So it's interesting. He says work out your salvation. With fear and trembling. So the fear of God. Becomes my staying power. And it keeps me on track. Verse 13. For it is God. Who both works in you. To will and to do. For his good pleasure. Man Father God. I welcome you. I welcome you to do and to will for your good pleasure. I welcome your will in my life. And I believe this is etched in the fear of God because without the fear of God, there becomes a, a massive decline in the things of God. And before long, I, I begin to stray away from the things of God. Lord, I welcome your will. I welcome your heart's desire. Turn with me back to your left just a little bit to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter number 1. And again, this is the writing of the Apostle Paul. Many attribute Romans 
to the greatest biblical doctrine you can find. You want to find right biblical doctrine? Just get into Romans. And so we begin here in Romans 1. And this, this passage I'm going to read is eye-opening, okay? This passage will begin to, to cause you to open up your heart and look in there. And I promise you right now, if you are being convicted, that isn't from me. That's from the Holy Spirit, okay? That's, that's John 16. That's what one of the things the Holy Spirit would do. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. For the wrath of God. And we don't hear that very often, do we? The, the holy anger of God. The holy disapproval of God. The holy displeasure of God. The indignation of God. The wrath of God. And the reason I'm going to highlight that is because I don't know about you, but I want to know the things in my life that would cause the wrath of God to take place. So evidently here, Paul's saying, listen, you've stirred up the wrath of God. How'd we do that? Keep reading. Which is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of man. The sin and the wickedness of man stirs up the wrath of God. Stirs up the anger of God. When I don't repent of it, when it doesn't bother me. But he doesn't end there. The last part of verse 19 who suppress, who hold down, who hinder the truth in unrighteousness. They try to shroud, they try to smother the word of God. We try to justify our actions. We hold false views of God and we hold false views of the teaching of the Bible. And usually you know what this is associated with? My lifestyle. We suppress the truth. Now let me ask you something. Do you, do you cherish the truth? Do you welcome the truth? You know, it'd be very easy to get up here and tell you stuff that aren't biblical. And we all may hoot and holler, woohoo, but only the truth will set you free. And times in my life, I can tell you, the truth is annoyingly accurate. Sometimes I look at the truth in the mirror and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm not on the truth. I'm away from it. I want the truth. Verse 19. Because what may be known of God is manifest or evident in them. It's evident on the inside of me. For God has shown it to them. God has embedded it within me. It's part of mine and your DNA that God has put this in our inner conscience. How many have ever done something sinful? Let's just say you, you told a lie. Let's just say a, a big fat lie. I mean a really good one. 
And after you did that, no one had to say anything to you, but what began to happen on the inside of you? I knew, uh, uh, I got this yuck. I've never stolen anything. And after you stole it, and you thought you got away with it until something on the inside began to, and you knew you were wrong. Let me ask you something. Did you take any classes to figure that out? Did you take sinning 101 to learn how to lie? No. It's inside me. It's built in my inner conscience. And, and as long as I stay open to, to the things of God, the Holy Spirit will work in you like that. And, and he'll come upon you when you blow it. And when he comes upon you to blow it, it's not to beat you up. It's get you a place where you repent and say, I blew it, God. I blew it. Verse 20. For since the creation of the world, since the beginning of time, the invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, that God's eternal power and the Godhead, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, so they are without excuse. Do you have an excuse? Absolutely not, is what this said. We are without excuse that we can say, I never was touched by God. I never heard about God. But watch what he goes on to say here. They are without excuse because although they knew God, now, when it says here, they knew God, they were an acquaintance with God. They knew God in a general manner, but not in a personal manner. They knew God by name, by theory. And the Lord Jesus deals with that in Matthew 7, and he said, in these last days, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, and he'll say, I never knew you. So right here, the apostle Paul's get on says, they knew him, but they did not glorify him as God. They didn't worship him. They didn't reverence him. They didn't fear or respect him as Father God. You know what I believe this is a direct result of? We don't fear God. And so we don't fear God, we don't glorify God. They wouldn't glorify God. Nor were they thankful. They lived with ingratitude. I hate to ask you this, but does any of this define you? Do I ever give God gratitude, honor, praise, or do I just constantly complain? Keep watching these symptoms. But they became futile in their thoughts. They trivialized themselves into silliness, deep confusion. They were a reprobate in their thinking. Now listen to what that word futile means. Empty, vain, foolish, useless, confused, perverted logic. Those who do not honor God or show him any gratitude. So they became futile. Where at? In their thinking. And ultimately, their foolish 
and their hearts became darkened. Now I'm going through this and I'm reading this and I'm reading this and the word knew right there, they knew him. This literally was in past tense. It means that this is a society that at one time knew him and acknowledged him, but they lost their acknowledgement and their dependence on him. In other words, they knew him, but they started stiff arming him. I believe this has happened in America. I believe this is us to a T right now. So I see this statistic through Barner Research the other day, and it said that in the United States of America right now, between 70 and 75% of all Americans say, I'm a Christian. They say, I'm a Christian. But when he broke it down and say, how many of you look at the word of God as the absolute truth? How many of you still believe in the 10 commandments? How many of you obey him to the best that you can through his grace and mercy? That number from 70 to 70 to 75%, it shrunk to between 7 and 8%. Less than one out of every 10 person that says they're a Christian really are a Christian. So let me ask you. They knew him. Do I know him? Do I know him in a personal relation? Do I know him? Verse 22. Professing or claiming to be wise... They became fools. They, they professed or claimed, we're so smart. But it's interesting, the apostle Paul says they became fools. And when he says they became fools, they were Ill, illiterate regarding life. They thought they knew everything. But the farther and farther we get away from the word of God, the more we become fools. Pastor, are you calling me a fool? Well, if the shoe fits, where? Have you ever been a fool? I've been a fool. When I don't live by the things of God, I'm a fool. Hmm. Verse 23. And they changed the glory of the incorruptible God. And you may want to highlight that. The incorruptible glory of God. And they changed it to what? An image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. So better stated here, they changed God's image, the incorruptible God, into the image of corruptible men. They compared a holy God to men. The creator to the creation. Something's wrong. And so this becomes a society or a people who were once familiar with God, but God's standards inconvenienced them 
So they started changing God's word, and it became a downward spiral. And this downward spiral looks this way. When people begin to reject God, and they start making up their own ideas of who God should be and can be, and then they fall into every kind of wickedness, and the last stage is they hate God, and they encourage everybody else to hate God. Pastor, you just described the United States of America. Verse 24, listen real close, what happens? Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness and the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. As people continue to reject God, God gives them up to increasingly immoral and self-destructive activities. So think about this when it says God gives them up. You know what God does? He steps back. And he said, if that's the way you want it, have at it. And see where it'll lead you. And he said, these immoral lifestyles that become destructive... And sometimes people within our society, we think because there's no immediate judgment, God must be okay with it. But it's interesting, God steps back. And you know what happens? God doesn't judge at that time. If he judged, it would have been like the days of Sodom and Gomorrah. But it didn't. If God, if God judged that way, we'd been wiped out already. But God knows this. I step back and you watch. They'll begin to get in a mess that they never thought they could get in. Pastor, you just described the United States. Verse 25. Who exchanged the truth of God. Who exchanged the truth of God. Let, let's change the Ten Commandments. Because they're outdated. The Bible's outdated. Those don't mean, God doesn't know what he was talking about. So they changed the truth and what they exchanged the truth for. For the lie. And they worship and serve the creature rather than creator who is blessed forevermore. Let's serve the, the creation instead of the creator. Now let me ask you a question. Which one would define you? Which one would define me? Am I more in tune to what man says or am I more in tune to what God says? I'm going to tell you right now. Hang on to the truth. Remember, treasure his word. Treasure his commands. And the reason I highlight that is because the longer we go on in this, the worse it's going to get. And let me just give you a little insight. History repeats itself. How do you know that? Turn with me to Genesis 6. Genesis chapter 6, right there in the beginning of the Bible. And the reason I say history repeats itself, because the Lord himself said in, in Matthew 24, he said, as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be in the second coming of man. The New American Standard says, it will be exactly like it was in Noah's days. 
So you know what we're going to do? We're going to go back to the beginning in Genesis 6, and let's just see how it was in Noah's days. Verse 1. Now it came to pass, and when you read that, often it reveals trouble. When men begin to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God, and, and most believe that the sons of God was in reference to the sons of Seth that were God-fearing, and what they do? They saw the daughters of men who most believed these were the descendants of Cain who weren't God-fearing and that they were beautiful. Do you know there's always been beautiful women in the earth? Way back then the people were beautiful. And you know what? I bet they didn't even have makeup back then. Still beautiful. Always been beautiful women. Keep reading. And they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. So what you get immediately is they become unequally yoked. You got God-fearing and ungodly-fearing. Not good. And the Lord said, my spirit, here he is, the Holy Spirit shows up in Genesis 6 shall not strive or put up with man forever. That's a warning to us. As it was in the days of knowing, so will it be. And he says, I'm not going to put up. For he is indeed flesh. They're drawn more to their flesh to the, instead of the things of the Holy Spirit. Hmm. Yet his days shall be, be 120 years. So what this is talking about, the Lord says, I'm going to give you 120 years to get your act together, to repent. Verse 4. There were giants on the earth in those days. And so afterward, when the sons of God came to the daughters of men, they bore children of them. Those were the mighty men who were of old, men of the renown, better yet, better stated. These were all the Goliaths, kinfolks, bunch of giants, okay? Keep reading verse 5. Then the Lord saw or observed that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. God saw and he observed the wicked man, wickedness of man was great in the earth. I wonder what God sees in this earth right now. I can't prove it, but I have the thought. They couldn't have been more evil than us. Hmm. And that Every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The thinking of man became distorted and twisted, and that highlights exactly what we read in Romans 1.21, that they became futile in their thinking. So you begin to 
to see the process that took place in Noah's days and you see what's happening right before us right now. Verse 6. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. You know what this literally means? Means that they never fulfilled the aspirations he had for them. That's why he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I've created from the face of the earth, both men, beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air, for I'm sorry that I've made them. They never would repent. Verse 8. But, whoo, here's a but. But Noah found grace or favor in the eyes of the Lord. Now when I read something like this that the entire earth was corrupt and just wicked. Everything going on was bad. But all of a sudden, you see this guy named, named Noah, and it said he found grace or favor in the eyes of the Lord. Why? Was it just coincidental? Did God play any, many, mighty mo? Why did this guy find grace in the eyes of the Lord? Verse 9. This is the genealogy, the family tree of Noah. Noah was a just man. He was perfect, better stated, blameless, or he had some integrity in his generation. Noah walked with God. Now, if I read this correctly, everybody else on the face of the earth is ungodly. But this, this one guy, he, he walks with God. And I want you to notice the word, he walked with God. To walk with God, that shows up in, in my lifestyle. That shows up in my integrity, my character. It didn't say he taught God. It said he walked God. Let me give you a little paraphrase addition. Noah put a little walkie-walkie with his talkie-talkie. It's easy to talk Christianese, but do I walk out the things of God? Now, this is big that he walked with God. Why is this big? Read verse 10. And Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Why do you say that was a big deal? Because he would influence his children. This was a man who understood the fear of God. It wasn't just about me. I will influence my children. And the way he influences children... I'm sure he talked to him about the things of God. But the big thing, the way, the way he influenced his children was the way he walked before God. That his children saw, he's a man of integrity. He's a man of character. My daddy's a champion for God. And the fear of God was etched in his heart. And maybe you come from a background where you had a daddy and a mama that feared God. 
But if you didn't, it's not too late for you to become the generational history maker. Where you say, you know what? There's a new sheriff in my bloodline. And I'm blood-bought. It's through the Lord Jesus. But I highlight this. His boys saw the way he walked the earth. Verse 11. The earth was also corrupt before God. And the earth was filled with violence. Yet this guy walked before God. In a world that was horrible. It was corrupt and violent. Now, give me, let me give you a God thought right here. Do you think the world during Noah's time was more corrupt and more violent than we are right now? They didn't have guns back then. I don't believe the days of Noah, the wickedness and the violence were, we have nothing on that. But yet I go back and think, okay, what caused this one guy in, in a place of corrupt and violence to say, I'm going to walk before God? Keep reading. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. All flesh. They had lost their true direction. So you know how this begins to happen as human beings? When we first start sinning, we do it in our private life because we know what's wrong and we don't want anybody to know. But the longer I go on in my sin, the more comfortable I get in my sin. And before long, there is no shame. So what I used to do in my private, it's now out publicly. This is what's going on in our lives right now. Verse 13. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them, and I, behold, I will destroy them with the earth. As it was in the days of Noah. In Matthew 24, 37, so it will be in the second coming of the Lord. So what began to happen? When I quit fearing God, I quit worshiping God. And when I quit worshiping God, I quit obeying God. And this is what I believe began to happen. And so as a humanity, they forfeited their right to exist. They got so ungodly. I got good news. I want you to look with me. Same chapter in verse 18. I want you to see this. Genesis 6, verse 18. The Lord said, but I will establish my covenant with you. The word covenant there means a pledge or an agreement. God said to Noah, he said, listen, buddy, I got a covenant. Do you know the word covenant? is one of the most strongest words in the Old Testament. I made a covenant with you. Now you may say, why is that so big? Remember we read this last week. This is Psalms 25, 14. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him. He will show them his covenant. So you know what God said to Noah right there? He said, listen, pal. 
I'm going to confide in you. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to tell you the things that are going on. And he ends verse 18 and he says, and you shall go into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your son's wife with you. I don't know how advanced you are in math. Noah, his wife, his three sons, three daughters-in-law. There's eight of them. And for that 120 years, he was mocked. He was ridiculed. He was laughed at. Nothing's going to happen. But one day God said, get in the boat, Noah. And shut the doors, Noah. And the water began to rise. And I believe there were a lot of knocks on the door saying, open up, open up, open up. But it couldn't happen. And there Noah and his family members are on that boat. And I don't believe Noah ran around the boat saying, told you so, told you so. I was right, I was right. I believe he was brokenhearted and he was grieved because he knew a lot of them that didn't get on the boat, they were my family. None of his aunts and uncles made it. None of his nieces and nephews made it. None of the people that lived in his neighborhood made it. None of the people that he walked by day by day to go to work made it. And I wonder if Noah saw, thought, I wish we'd all been ready. There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come and we've been left behind. And I don't say this to scare the health out of you. I said health. I say this as a warning. I got to live with the fear of God. And we know we had the fear of God because God made a covenant with him. But the last verse of chapter 6, verse 22, listen real close. It says, thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him, so we did. He feared God enough to obey God. He obeyed his commandments. And I believe he's treasured those commandments. What would happen if we begin to live that way? This is why I started with the fear of God, I believe, must be etched in our hearts. Because God's going to do what he said he's going to do. Why don't you stand here with me? Kind of a wake-up call, huh? Amen. You bow your head with me. I wish we'd all been ready. There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come and you've been left behind.
I don't say that with pride or arrogance. I say that broken hearted. I don't want people to go to hell. I don't want that to happen, but I'm not God. But if you're here today and you need Jesus to be Lord of your life, or maybe you need to rededicate. You've been lukewarm. You've been straddling fence. You live more for the opinions of man than you do for God. And I welcome you to come forward right now and say, today's the day. I'm going to get my heart right. Today's the day. I'm going to rededicate. So I guess everybody in here, our hearts are good with God. Praise God. It's a good day. I hope. But what would happen if I begin to live with the fear of God etched in my heart? Or Father God, I, I need to go deeper with my walk with you. I, I, I want to walk with you, Father God. I want to live for you with an integrity. I want to live with you where, where my children say, he's a man of God. He's, he's not big talker, Betty Crocker. He's a man of God. And I cherish what God cherishes. And I love what God loves. And I hate what God hates. And so as our team gets ready to sing, I, I welcome you to come down here and say, Lord, I, I need a touch of heaven. I need a move of God in my life right now. I, I, need, I need you to fill me back up right now. And so as they sing, I, I welcome you. Just respond to God here. Go ahead, guys. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.